Hello, I'm Jesse Kester, and I'm thrilled to introduce my co-host, Naomi Beatty. Hello, I'm Naomi Beatty, and this is my sidekick, Jesse Kester. Woo-woo! <laughs> I don't know where it is. I can never find it. I think, is that enough of the intro music? Yeah, I think so. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of any age above... 13, because we might have swear words or adult themes somewhere along the way. Sure. Uh, welcome, 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 one and all, to movies. The not, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> We're working on this. We might have some big announcements in the very near future. Yeah. Um, today, we are doing, we've got a lot on the plate. We we've do. Got, um, we got to talk, we must, we absolutely, it is legal obligation that we talk about adaptation. Okay. Um, we are also going to ask the big question, what questions should you, should we be thinking about as screenwriters before we jump into a project, yep. before we start our next big feature? Um, we've, I've got a surprise for you. Oh, And great. I think I'm going to tuck that right in the middle there. <laughs> okay. And then we'll see how that one goes. Okay. It's a, a little bit of a game. I don't think... Okay. I, not too painful. I think I'm going to have to clear my throat okay. before we get too deep into this one. All right. <sighs> But before we get into each and every last bit and bobble that I mentioned, Mm -hmm. I have one question for you, Mm -hmm. and I pray that you answer it, though you do not have to if you do not want to. Did you have any emotions this week? And Mm -hmm. if so, what was the dominant one? Elation. That's a wonderful one. Can I ask... (laughs) Did you earn this elation? I may be or just was it making gifted? that up. But I, I, I felt pretty excited and happy. I taught a workshop this week that was fun and went well and um, worked on some exciting things. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I like I like elation quite a bit. <laughs> if I had my druthers, I'd feel it frequently. <laughs> How about you? Did you have an emotion this week? I don't recall. I think this has been a, a, a light week on emotions. I think I was mostly wrapped up in watching the election and trying mm-hmm. to keep myself from exploding. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, anti-combustion was my emotion okay. this week. And it, it took every last, it burnt all my calories. Mm. Um, glad we got all that business yeah. out of the way. Are we ready for the adaptation? Yes. Then strap in, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children and 13 and older. It's time for... I don't have one. The talk. It's just the talk. We're we're doing the talk today. Is it okay? Yeah. Have I I disappointed you all? The talk. There we go. You happy? Uh, Adaptation. The first question on my mind is, uh, well, should we summarize it? Uh, Sure. Is it possible to summarize it? Uh, Filmy film looks in the mirror and talks about self. It's sure. It's, um, it's a movie written by Charlie Kaufman about Charlie Kaufman adapting mm-hmm. a, a book by Susan Orlean called The Orchid Le- Thief and mm-hmm. um, everything that goes wrong <laughs> with that yep. adaptation. It's a very meta movie. I can't think of a film that's more meta nope, than this one. There's plenty either. of reflexive cinema, but this <laughs> one, fine, is it like they just break. Everything yeah. breaks yeah. in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next, next thing. Yeah. Did you enjoy watching it? I loved it. I mean, this was the second time I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I liked it, but I think I was too preoccupied with, um, I saw it with a, a, a Q&A with Charlie Kaufman and I was too, he, you know, he's such a nervous person. He's yes. such an anxiety ridden person. It doesn't come across in this film that he <laughs> has any, all. any anxiety. No. Uh, and so I, I think I was so preoccupied with 
with knowing that he was, he was like standing out in the hall feeling anxiety about what other people would think about this movie that I couldn't really fully enjoy it in that first viewing. Like you were contributing to his hell by being there. And then in the Q and a, he was so, he was so nervous and ticky and anxious that Mm -hmm. it made me anxious. And like, it was not a relaxing experience at all. So Whew, it just that whole experience was like yes. pretty on on edge, and so now viewing it in the comfort of my own home without feeling like Charlie Kaufman was judging me for judging him. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. What, I, that he was imagining <laughs> yes. you thinking horrible things yeah, about him. I enjoyed it a lot more. The poor fella, like the the amount of love that screenwriters have for him, and he'll never feel it. He yeah. will never know at, at, at a Although, bone level. I will say, I saw him at another Q and A after. Mm-hmm. Um, his puppet movie that I'm now forgetting the name of. Um, Mona, Mona Lithic, Mo, Mona. Oh yeah. Something like Mona that. Lisa Tastic or something like that. <laughs> something like Sorry, Charles. Yeah, yeah, we love you. We freaking adore <laughs> no, you. I saw him at a Q and a after that movie and he was much more relaxed. So maybe he's gotten, maybe it was just an adaptation phase mm-hmm. <laughs> because. Well, also uh, he's young then. Like, yeah, the, the movie was 15 more than 15 years ago. So yeah. Like he's got what under his belt? He's got the, the, the being John Malkovich is his. Yeah. But that was before adaptation. That's what I mean is like at, at at the time of adaptation, like he's still, he's just at the point in his career where people are like, you're the greatest thing that's ever happened to screenwriting. Now contend with that. Yeah. He was a, Oh, you're right. Yeah. That's actually true. Anybody, anybody out there, you know what I'm Sorry, this is not going to bode well for our show, uh-huh. but just if you haven't seen the time travel episode of Get a Life by uh, starring Chris Elliott, Charlie Kaufman is the head writer on that episode, and it is phenomenal. <laughs> it is the best 22 minutes of Get a Life that you should watch it sometime. All right. Anyway, I'll look it up. we're not here to talk. <laughs> I also enjoyed it. I think that was the question. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yes. Did you enjoy it? loved it. Yeah, it's great. Loved it, loved it, yeah. loved it, loved it, loved it. Uh, let's break it down. Okay. Uh, it doesn't matter if we like it or not. What can we learn from it? That's a good question. Um, what do you think you can learn from it? Uh, there is aching sincerity sincerity on every line of dialogue that, mm-hmm. that there's there's no barrier between the the artist and the audience there's a level of intimacy that's very hard to achieve in a film um you can't get it again in this you can't go down this road again he did it it's mm-hmm. done but we do have to learn how to be so open with with our hearts if we want to make a film that endures decades and people are still just flabbergasted by it. Yeah. You were well, saying you, that like, well, do you think that, sorry to cut you off. No, 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 please, please, please. <laughs> do you think that that happened or that, you know, that this movie did that because of the whole writer's block thing that he experienced that's very much in the movie. I mean, he wrote about himself Yes. He was so blocked at, at figuring out how to adapt this book into a movie that he inserted himself into the script and the the project became not an adaptation of the book very much, but largely about him and his process and then just this whole wacky, you know, Charlie Kaufman kind mm-hmm. of brain dump, right? Which I loved, so don't get me wrong there. But, um, but do you think that that is why this is such a sincere 
and open hearted movie because it's very much just him kind of opening up his brain and saying, this is what's happening. This is, you know, my process and how I'm kind of experiencing the whole thing. I think this is, I'm not sure what the question was, but I think that's okay <laughs> for this film. Cause I'm not, I don't think anyone sure. can be sure what the question of this film is. I see this film as part two of a trilogy mm-hmm. where, uh, uh, being John Malkovich is part one. This is part two and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is part three. And in being John Malkovich, we see like an experimentation with these wild, vibrant outsider ideas, but there is a very kind of clinical, cynical detachment in that film that there's no heart on the sleeve. Really? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, it's a, a, anyway. Yeah, it's concept. This is all heart on the sleeve. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the third film, Eternal Sunshine, is when he finally was able to marry story with with naked vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's when he hit actual gold. Like, yeah, that's this a one, good point. Because this one, I mean, I guess that, that kind of was the question that I was asking was like, it, does this only feel so vulnerable? Because it's it's actually just him bleeding on the page. You yeah, know? yeah. But I don't feel like it's a film that translates perfectly. I think anybody can watch it, but it leans a lot on that. Like, hey, we're making a movie. Isn't yeah, this fun? We're yeah. breaking all the rules. Well, yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah. I was agreeing with you that it doesn't feel like there's a plot here necessarily or... Um, deliberate, you know, sort of concept mm-hmm. here. It's just him experiencing. It's a feature length haiku. <laughs> it's, stretched. Well, it's, it's him experiencing mm-hmm. trying to adapt this book and having a hard time of it. Right. And that's, yeah. I think something that a lot of people who love it can relate to. Yes, yes, yes. And I think we can relate to writer's block yeah. and frustration right. and, and I think uh, living in L.A., I can relate to not wanting to betray any of my weaknesses or frustrations mm. on a public stage. So yeah. I do. Uh, y'all are so put together here. <laughs> like I step out in the street. And I'm just blown away. <sighs> yeah, it's all it's like one big Instagram feed, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Yeah. But like at least Instagram stays on the phone. This is like anywhere you can see. That's a good point. You can see it. You can't get away from it. <laughs> well. I was going to say, can I ask you my, my question? Let's talk about- big questions. Okay. You can always, <laughs> oh, Naomi, I'm sorry that I made you feel like you couldn't ask me your big question. Well, no, I think that our conversation is sort of circling around one of the questions yes. that I had, which is, ask it, ask do it. you think this movie is too inside baseball that, you know, only, only screenwriters appreciate it and love it? I hope not. Uh, I, 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 I'm trying to think if the people I know who don't really care about film would be mm-hmm. bored to tears by this story of a of a of a middle aged white <laughs> man who just can't write the winning screenplay, can he? Right, and the reason I ask that question is because uh, I did love the movie, mm-hmm. but um, you know it is a it is a common theme in aspiring screenwriters to write a script about an, a writer who's having a hard time either completing their script or completing their novel or breaking into the industry. That is a really common sort of first script for a lot of people to write. And it's not usually very successful. You know, those a lot of times when you read those um, sort of, you know, as a reader in the industry or as someone who's like looking for projects and uh, kind of as soon as you see that in a log line, you're like, Oh, 
another yep. one of these, right? Yep, like yep, yep. nobody cares about your struggle to write your thing. Nobody cares about you returning to your hometown to, to show that girl who dumped you that yes, you made, that you yes, made it big, yes. or, you know? So these are all like common first scripts that people write that just very seldom actually work and actually say something that's like relatable to anyone else other than the writer. And, um, but this movie works, I think on, I think on a so lot of too. different we're levels. Both, we're both I writers <laughs> and we're both filmmakers. I think Maybe anybody should who, ask your sister. Yes. Selena, if you could call should we get her on the horn? I can plug my phone into the, into the computer, into the like We need an outside perspective. I'm, I'm worried if we called her, she'd say, I haven't seen that recently enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway. We'll get her opinion. I, I think she listens to the program and she'll probably text she'll in or write email. In. Oh, good. This so is the, sending out the beacon, Selena. <laughs> so the other thing that I thought about it, kind of in that line was other movies that are that are sort of inside Hollywood mm-hmm. um, that do work, right? Because Oh, yeah, yeah. What's, be, because there are, I mean when you see that script come across your desk that you're like, Oh, nobody really wants to see another movie about Hollywood or about a struggling writer. Then you, you kind of have to remember that there are movies that do work, namely La La Land, which was the recent, you know, sort of uh, version of that, that mm-hmm. everyone seemed to love. Did you like that one? I didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, a flaccid promise. <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah. So a lot of people love that one. I didn't love it as much as everyone else seemed to. Um, what else is there? Uh, can you think Would you other? consider Sunset Boulevard to be reflexive enough or is it too disconnected? Um, Have I, I ever mentioned that I, I like me some Billy Wilder yeah, every now and then? I haven't seen that movie. Ever? Ever. I've seen parts of it. Waiting for the yet. And I, uh, I, I have not seen it and, um, no yet. I probably won't, <laughs> but, uh, I've seen the, I've seen the beginning. I've seen parts in the middle and I've seen the end. Okay. So I've seen kind of the Cliff's notes version of it. Okay. You get, you get it. I get you the get gist. It. Um, okay. but, uh, swimming with sharks is one that mm-hmm. people kind of hold up as like that cult you know, favorite I seen inside that Hollywood. One. I actually applied for an internship when I first moved to, to LA that, um, the part of the application process was to watch that movie. Really? Yeah. And I was like, well, <laughs> <sighs> that feels like a lot of effort. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was like a little bit of an arrogant application form. It was like, watch this movie. And then there was an essay question. I can't remember what it is. Are now. you kidding? Nope. That was wow. Real. They were vetting, they were vetting people. But anyway, um, cause you know, you, you really don't want many diverse voices on your film. You really only want the people who agree with you about one film. <laughs> I think it was, I can't remember what the essay question was now, but anyway, um, but so other movies, I, you know, that I could come up with that were sort of inside Hollywood or about filmmaking in some way or about Hollywood in some way, I feel like the ones that work the, that have like a broader appeal than just like a couple of people in the industry that are like, yep, mm-hmm. that's exactly what it's like. Have some other plot hook, right? Like have Argo. Some, some, yes. Is, Argo's a great example. Yeah. It's, it's about, um, some, it's a true story. Yeah. It's thriller about suspense that has sort of, some but, film stuff. In yeah, there exactly. Too. It's a little bit more of a political thriller than yeah, it is a, yeah. a Hollywood movie. Yeah. Um, who framed Roger Rabbit? Yep, 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 yep. Totally. <laughs> that, that has its own hook. It's not yep. necessarily about Hollywood. Yes. You know, um, LA Confidential. Yep. Right? I haven't Is seen it, it yet. Okay. <laughs> it's another one that I like. But okay. so I think, 
you know, the best versions yep. of the sort of inside Hollywood movies, the ones that actually can have appeal to other people who yep. aren't inside you want a Hollywood. crossover hit, right. you got to talk about something have, other than film. Yeah, you have to have a real story and a real plot and a real um, sort of entertainment hook beyond just like, this is what it's like in L.A., you know? Yep, yep, so. yep. I, I am right there with you, I believe. I believe you've struck on uh, intellectual goal. <laughs> something, something. Can I say something that I liked of about course. this film and then I'm going to ask you? you a question okay and what i liked about this film i think you've heard me maybe come hard against the 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 boringness of uh middle class straight white males mm-hmm. in film and how i'm d- this was the rare film mm-hmm. where it couldn't have possibly been anything else than a middle class straight white male mm-hmm. like from the beginning he's lamenting his his perceptible mediocrity mm-hmm. he's right hmm. he's right when he's walking down the street He's the most average thing on in, in, in the world, in L.A. at least. That's interesting because I feel like um, I feel like it could have been a woman. I would have bought I like I bought his internal monologue about his uh, failings, his unattractiveness, oh, all, oh. Of, all of that stuff. I feel like it One could of have been notes? a female character and women say equally as mean things to themselves in their own minds. One of my notes was, I see myself in all the failures and all of the successes feel far away. Like everything that was a failure in this film, I was like, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's yeah. true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But I'm I don't not, think that's just a guy thing. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying that if, that it couldn't have been a woman or a person of color. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that because it was a middle class straight white male, mm-hmm. he, like, gets the stamp of your right. Mm-hmm. You're completely mundane you have it very easy mm, you've okay. been gifted this great job mm-hmm. now just do the job and right. he couldn't do it right right he had to actually be the most average mm, okay never challenged thing in the world <laughs> got it i'll to, say that to be such a to, yeah. for this for this to have the punch that it had sure. most films i think get more interesting if you switch them out with mm-hmm. a with a woman a person of color a lgbt person mm-hmm. this one would not have mm-hmm. been as convincing okay. that, that he just sucks like he has no excuse for his shortcomings yeah. i will accept that uh <laughs> i've got a question for you okay Big question with this film. There's no way to talk about this film without asking this question. Yeah. Does the third act work? That's an interesting question. Uh, in, to me, it does. Okay, um, cool. Glad we cleared it up. <laughs> <laughs> because I think for the reason that I think it works is because the, the movie is about um, his struggle and mm-hmm. his attempt to sort of write a different movie than, than he was expected to write and that he, you know... He, oh gosh, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. Like he had that huge internal struggle of, um, wanting to write something different than what he had written before, mm-hmm. but not wanting to write the traditional Hollywood movie. And I think that that was causing the writer's block, right? Like mm-hmm. the, just the difficulty of, of trying to thread that needle and probably it, it was impossible to do. And in the end, what was funny to me was that the third act delivered on all the things he said he wasn't going to do that he didn't want to do in this. Yes. He didn't want to turn it into a traditional Hollywood movie. He didn't want it to be kind of like all those standard third act payoff things. 
and and he did. He did all those things <laughs> in, uh, in the weirdest possible way, though. Yes, you know? yes. It, and it's all congruent. It's all set right. up. Like yes, every punchline yeah. in that third act yeah. was established. He gave us the the exact sort of like boilerplate third act. Mm-hmm. But somehow turned Susan Orlean, a real person who wrote the book he was adapting, into a drug addict. Like murderer. Her first solution is to kill them. Yeah. So just in this really bizarre way, he gave you every expected thing. Mm -hmm. Right? And that was hilarious to me. Well, I think... I. I think if if somebody said the third act doesn't work, Mm -hmm. I would not be able to say you're wrong. Mm -hmm. But I do think it betrays that he he fulfilled his arc Mm -hmm. of keeping of writing a film that was personal and also delivered what people needed, but also personal, but also delivered like not without selling out. He did what he set out to do. So I think it's uh, the third act is the entire film. Right. I mean, by the end of this movie, I honestly was just like. Charlie Kaufman is a genius. He's yeah. just, he's so smart to be able to, and, and part of me is watching it going like how, how much of, I mean, he has to know what he's doing, but how much of this is just him instinctively like being a genius and how much of it is orchestrated. And you know, it's cause there's so many great payoffs and yes. anyway, and uh, just a, a, a little bit of a reminder that Nicolas Cage is a heavyweight actor. I don't mean in size. <laughs> I mean, like, he is a, a champ. Like, he he's, a, a he's an yeah. actor. Yeah. And I think that he gets a lot of short shrift for the endless stream sure. of action films he phones yeah. in. But when he's acting, mean, it's fun. When he tries, he's when, really yeah, good. <laughs> when he's given a meaty part, like when he has yeah. something to do on sure. screen, it's Great. He you understand really, really like Yeah, I I have to say uh Meryl Streep and Chris Cooper are two so two of my favorites. Um I mean I you know Meryl Streep is Meryl Streep, but Chris Cooper is one of my favorite actors ever and mm-hmm. he's just awesome in this movie even though he's, you know, his role isn't enormous. It's like it's an important role, but it's it's not like he's on screen the entire time, right? Yeah. And yet when he is on screen, I I feel like I haven't read The Orchid Thief, but he is so captivating. If he's doing justice to that character, that character must have been fascinating in the book, too. Whenever he's not on screen, he's still in the movie. Mm. He's such he's such a, a, a solid character, such a presence yeah. that he it, it, it's believable. Meryl Streep's whole thing, yeah. is, uh, third act aside, the yeah. rest of it, her, yeah. how she becomes enchanted with it. Look at us, we're just like bubbly teenagers. Worshipping at the feet. Of I'm going to say Charlie, Kaufman. Charlie Kaufman's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Spike Jones took it all to the next level. Everyone mm-hmm. involved pushed it. I'm going to. I was reading the trivia. May I? May yeah, I? Sure. May I trivialize this episode Please. a little bit? There's the shot um, when he's uh, uh, Charlie Kaufman is coming home and Donald is sitting on the couch and he says, oh, "There's this thing you can." Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll drop the Nick Cage. We don't need the impression. <laughs> yeah. He says, there's this thing you can do where you can show a, a broken mirror to show that the character is split. And at this point, Charlie Kaufman is standing in front of a mirror and we can yeah. see uh, Donald in the background. Yeah. Pretty cool. Pretty cool, yeah. Even better when you find out that Donald sitting on the couch is actually the real Charlie Kaufman. 
So Nicolas Cage is looking in the mirror, uh-huh. listening to Charlie Kaufman talk about how mirrors Got can re- yeah, yeah. just really nice yeah, little. Cool. There's there's uh, it's a fractal image. And you I can think study that it. was Donald Kaufman saying he had discovered his late motif in his, movie, <laughs> yes, in his screenplay. Yes. I was like, oh my god, it's the new event. Yes, <laughs> and I mean, I th- I feel like we have to mention the Robert McKee seminars. So like, good, so much that's, fun. But that's why I wonder, like, is this just so inside baseball? You know what I mean? Because like all those things that made me laugh. I'm, I laugh because I'm familiar with screenwriters having writer's block and struggling. And I'm familiar with all of that internal, you know, kind of self, uh, what's it called? Self, not hatred, but you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Beating yourself down internally. And, um, and I'm familiar with the, you know, the idea of the three day Robert McKee seminar that you go to and you absorb all his wisdom and you walk away and go, how do I apply all of that to my writing? I think there's, I think the McKee is like, it's a big enough, broad enough character that you can understand. And everybody's felt like, I, I like why am I at this thing that doesn't have solutions I for I hope so I, I really hope. do I will say I looked up the the box office just to see like did it do boff if <laughs> it um it did not oh yeah <laughs> so I, I think in you know kind of the long tail of the movie mm-hmm. it's probably done fine but it did not uh I think the box office was equal to its budget which you know it it you look for like double in the, yeah. in the box office yeah, to, yeah, to yeah, consider yeah. it a break even. Yeah, if you're on time, you're late, kind so of thing. It was like it made half, basically. I think this is a legacy picture. Yeah, I don't. I, I imagine when they signed off on this script, like this was a legacy, not yeah. not a cash grab. Yeah, sure. But uh, the legacy's in place. I think. I think <laughs> the investment has paid off. Right. Any final thoughts on? Uh, oh, how about that last shot? We can stop just saying this was cool and that was cool. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. If you're uh, a screenwriter, it's totally worth watching. Oh, I think we're good then. Are we good? Yeah, we're good. All right. Then it is time for... We have to talk about a question. <laughs> and that question is... That's a catchy segment title. That's the title of this segment. That is not me remembering what we're doing as the music plays. The big question on my mind is, yep. um, screenwriters write, as, as the old chestnut goes. <laughs> but before we write, like there's that moment of excitement when you get an idea, when there's something bubbling in your head and you want to do 120 pages on it. Uh, before you do all that, what questions would you say in your humble esteem mm-hmm. should we be asking ourselves? And I'm wondering, should we go down the whole list or do you want to go one by one and then we'll dig in a little bit on each one? Well, I think we can go. Uh, I think I can give you my whole my whole list okay, because okay. really it's just one question. All right. And then some sub questions off of that, which we can talk about one at a time. So I think... Um, the thing you should think about when you are choosing your next project is what end goal you have in mind for that project. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the, that's the umbrella question is like, well, what do you want to get out of this? Right. Um, and then I think the sub questions to that are, are we okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, I'm just, I, I'm always checking to make <laughs> okay. sure everything is still running. Uh, so the sub questions then are, is it a craft milestone? Is it a career milestone? Or are you just writing this for fun? And, and really, I think that's where you want to start in, in deciding what to write next. Um, and there are 
you know, you can come up with all your sort of personal parameters within each of those questions and categories or whatever. But, um, but I think that's really the thing that people don't spend enough time thinking about before Mm -hmm. they dive in, because we all get very like excited, you know, a new little nugget of an idea, like a interesting, what if happens in your brain and go, Ooh, that would totally write itself. And then you just dive in, but you're going to be spending, you know, if you're going to do it right, you're going to spend the next several months fleshing out this idea, writing a draft, rewriting it, rewriting it several times. Um, Letting it sit for a year, coming back after a year and seeing what what works. Exactly. It's going to be months uh, at best yeah. or, you know, a month at best. Right. And, and then years at worst or at most. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think that, um, and I think uh, there's a lot of disappointment that happens after you've completed something and then realizing like, well, I can't do anything with this now. I spent all that time writing the story that I got so excited about. And then I forced myself to finish it cause I didn't want to be a quitter. I mm-hmm. wanted to see it through to the end and now nobody wants to read this. Right. Because my, my current goal is to say, win a screenwriting contest. And this just isn't the type of script that's going to win a contest. Or my current goal is to get representation. And this isn't the kind of script that anybody's going to request to read, you know? So I think that some of that disappointment could be, um, circumvented if you put a little bit of thought in the beginning into what you really want to get out of, um, the, your next thing that you write and whether the idea that you have right now or ideas you have right now can fulfill that goal. What would you say are some some good and noble goals? You mentioned a couple, like getting uh, winning a screenplay contest or finding an agent. Like, what yeah. could you just rattle well, off? So like, I what? think it just depends where you are in your screenwriting journey, right? And that's why I think they kind of fall into those three buckets. Like, it's totally valid to just be a hobbyist and and want to write a screenplay just for the hell of it because you think it'll be fun or you have an idea like a passion project sort of idea that you just want to get out on paper um because it's burning a hole in your brain right mm-hmm. i think that's totally valid um and that's one sort of goal category right the other ones i think are craft milestones and uh career milestones career milestones might be i'm trying to get representation so i need either a sample or another sample that represents me my brand as a writer or i need a second sample that sort of fills out my portfolio in a way that makes me appealing as a client right um or i you know at sort of career wise, I don't want to be pigeonholed. So I want to prove that I can write in multiple genres or whatever it is that you decide is your next step. I think, um, you know, career wise, those are your Mm -hmm. career milestones and then craft milestones. It's like, maybe you're writing your first script. So this, the goal of this next project that you're going to write, which is your first project is, is to be able to complete a screenplay that has a coherent story. Right. Um, so maybe you want to choose an idea that lends itself to a sort of straightforward narrative with like one hero who's pursuing one goal over, you know, a a set amount of time or whatever. So you, you want to choose the one that, um, is going to serve you as a learning tool, right? Like to, to, um, help your process of learning the craft. Um, other craft goals might be, I want to, um, maybe I want to, I want to learn how to write something for a super limited budget or, or challenge myself to do that. Or maybe I want to, um, write something that's super character driven. Mm -hmm. That's not plot heavy. That's all about, you know, relationships and interactions. And that was not me rolling my eyes about that stuff, but but I'm just saying maybe that's what you want to attempt next, you know? So I think that just depending on what you 
what your next step is as a writer, um, figuring that out in advance and then kind of weighing your options, your idea options against that will help you write something that you're proud of and, and pleased with at the end and can do something with, you know? So we've, uh, I've got the spark. I've got the okay. idea burning yeah. a hole in my brain. I know exactly what it's for. It's going to be a, a craft milestone. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what's the, what do you reckon the next step is? Should I watch 15 movies that as I pitch this idea to people, everybody's like, oh, that's like the, have you seen Moon? Or <laughs> that's like, you got to watch The Shining. Like as you pitch, everybody says mm. three or four films that they've thought of while you were talking mm. because there's some thread. Should you be watching all of those? None of those? Or is it everybody has to find their own path in life? Yeah, I, well, so I think... I, I always I'm sorry, you're on a roll. So that's why I'm asking <laughs> no, these no, questions no, that no. were not planned. No, sure. I think it's always a good idea to be familiar with what else is out there. Um, and if someone says, ooh, that sounds exactly like whatever movie, then I think you should watch mm-hmm. that to make sure that you're not totally copying something that's yeah, already been done. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, even if you're thinking like, well, um, it was, I didn't copy that movie. It was an idea I came with up with originally. So I still want to write it. If it's exactly like something else, I feel like that's maybe an idea you want to set aside just because it's going to be hard for people to believe that you didn't, yeah, you know, that, yeah. you, that you wrote it without seeing that other thing. But, um, but I don't think you necessarily need to watch all those movies that people are saying, okay. Oh, your idea is so much like this, or your, it reminds me of this or whatever. I think, you can watch other movies for inspiration, but I would caution, I would caution against, I guess, um, going down that rabbit hole because you may end up just writing things that are referencing other movies, you know? Mm -hmm. And I would rather, um, I would rather start your own project first, like do a brain dump, get everything out about that idea that you love, that you're excited about, that, that, um, sparks your own interest, all of your original ideas, try to get all of those out first and kind of like get, give it a little bit of a shape, like figure mm-hmm. out hmm, how, what's the big shape of this story? What's kind of like the three act progression? Um, what's the, you know, the sort of main through line, something to sort of, uh, make it just a little bit more solid than like a bunch of ideas floating around in your head. Right. So you kind of have a, mm-hmm. even if it's like a Monet, right? Like you're, you can only see it from far away. You can't like get up close and pick it apart. Right. Um, get- you're, you're making me very wistful. What you are describing is <laughs> literally my first screenplay. I'm feeling like, Oh, phew, I did it the right way the first time judging by these measures, but like word for word, every, if you read it, you'd be like, wow, this is exactly what I just well, said. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, a, I think it's good to sort of, get your own stuff out there first before mm-hmm. you start, I think, comparing it against other things or, or referencing other things and seeing what other people have done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you want to be original and you want to be true to kind of your, your own take on things. Does that make sense? Yeah. What's the bare minimum? Sorry, you're, you're, you're cooking with steam now. So, <laughs> or gas, what Is do you cook with? Phrase? Yeah. Yes. I don't think, uh. <laughs> um, what is the bare minimum structure that a first-time screenwriter should adhere to if they're doing a, a 120 pages? Is it just uh, have the most stuff happen in the last 30 pages? <laughs> is that like the most basic level? Uh, or How much structure do you want from... Um, if I'm, you're just sitting down for the first time, first screenplay, yeah. and you haven't read Save the Cat, you haven't read sure. any, you haven't read Story... Uh, what's the most, what's the bare minimum for structure? Um, 
Well, so there's a couple of questions that I need answered before I can answer that question, okay. which are like, are you intending for other people to read this? Well, I'm thinking what you, you sparked in my brain was the first screenplay I wrote um, was inherently terrible. Like it was just, it wasn't a great movie, mm-hmm. but it was a great experience to write it, to mm-hmm. take this thing that was in my head sure. and get it down into 120 pages and have that, like just to hold it, to be like, yeah. this is... This I birthed an idea, right. and now it's here on this planet, and anyone can can read it, even though they shouldn't. They can. <laughs> well, I think most first screenplays are going to be that. Be like, yes, I wrote a screenplay. Like that's yeah. the first milestone, right? Yeah, I yeah. wrote a, I wrote 120 pages, and it looks like a screenplay. Yes. So and it's loosey goosey. It was yeah. not. There was no structure. There was no midpoint. There was right. no and, break into two really. But it was mine. And I would say. I, I think that's a valid thing to aim for for your very first screenplay is just like I have a story in my head and I just want to try to put that story down on paper mm-hmm. and get it out and have the experience of experience of finishing something. And for that, I, I don't think you you necessarily need to adhere to any structure. Like I think it's innately we all have kind of that feeling of like, yeah. I know how to tell a story. I can give you the setup. I can give you the middle part where, you know, things maybe are going wrong or there's some build. I think everyone kind of naturally has that, you know, story yeah. structure yeah, in their yeah, bones. Yeah. And then the most and then usually ends off, up happening. Right. And the then end. it kind of like wraps up at the end. Yeah. Right. I think that's the most basic. Like, yeah. so you would sit down and do that naturally. I think that's a valid first milestone. Right. And then after that, if you're learning the craft, if you're like, okay, I wrote this thing that, I've reread it and I don't want to impose that on anyone else. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you start learning, like what are the other kind of like um, structural things that I can do to make this more engaging to other people so that other people care about the yes. story and want to read it. Right. So I think it's okay if you don't want to learn that stuff first before okay. sitting down to write your first script. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I don't think I have any more questions <laughs> oh, except good. that I have many, many, many more questions, <laughs> but I think we covered what we intended to. Yeah. Um, can I steal an answer to the initial question, of which course. was, was why, what should you be thinking about? And I think we talked about this on the, ep- on the show at least once I called up our, our good old friend, Hillier guest. Oh yeah. I'm and, such a huge fan of his. Uh, it's easy to be a fan. of. <laughs> <laughs> he is so good at what he does. He really is. I called him up, asked him that question. Uh, what's the, what, what questions should you be asking yourself before you jump into a project? Yeah. He gave me about three minutes of that and then just kept going and going. It was, <laughs> 20 minutes. I was the smoke coming off of the pen. I was trying to keep up with him. Good. So did he give you anything useful? Yeah, solid gold. What are you talking about? Did he give you good? Well, I mean, useful to. Yes. Yes. The question he asked was why now? Mm -hmm. Why now? Why today? Mm -hmm. And you can't just ask that for your main character. Why are we starting the story today? But you have to ask that for the world at large. Yeah. Why is this the story that has to get told today? Yeah. And I would, I, I think that that for me falls into sort of the uh, career milestone category. It's like if you want to write a script intending for other people to read it and to Mm -hmm. care about it, that's a very good question to ask is like, what am I adding to the world by writing this script, right? Like, how is this relevant? Why is anyone going to care about this story? That's a, that's a very good why now question. Yes. And it, it, that raises a secondary thought in my head, Mm -hmm. which is, um, the why now, uh, perhaps it is because it is in the zeitgeist. 
and that will make it an of the moment film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and perhaps like I, I, I was thinking of the pitches. I was trying to think of like, which mm-hmm. one is the least why now mm-hmm. And I think it would be the, 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 uh, stillborn. Mm-hmm. And the, sometimes if it's not, must be today it's mm-hmm. because and i think that's not the highest you ranked michelle mm-hmm. was a little bit higher than that but it's a, a kind of a thing of like maybe you end up with something timeless if it's right, not evergreen. for the that's the word for sure i do i do think that there are a lot of themes in that pitch that are mm-hmm. evergreen that yeah. are sort of like grief and uh you know f- like the female sort of mourning of the child I, I think it, yeah. that's a really specific sort of um storyline that is evergreen, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah. it doesn't have to happen today. It doesn't have to happen in 20 years or whatever. Michelle is super timely. Oh yeah. So yeah. I yeah. Think that's if it why, had come out last week, people right. would have been baffled at how right. prescient the, the exactly. filmmakers so were. So I think that that one makes it, you know, even more commercial actually, because yeah. it's like right now I'm thinking about like, oh my gosh, that's a story that needs to be told. But yes. you know, um, in 10 years, hopefully it'll be irrelevant. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm placing bets. It'll still be relevant <laughs> in be. a decade. And I'm uh, that I'm not going to place bets in it because that would mean that I would, it would be in You're my betting, interest yeah. <laughs> to perpetuate horribleness. Um, I will say I, so I went to, um, I went to the screening of the final episode of season two of Handmaid's Tale. Okay. You don't watch that show, right? N- too dark. I watched yes, the exactly. first episode and hard pass. Too dark, re- I know. Retreated. I, I love that show. Super, super relevant, right? And the and um now I've forgotten his name. The showrunner is it Bruce Miller? I think it is. He, We've got music if you need me to search it. I'm going to guess it's Bruce okay. Miller. Okay. Um, but he, when he was introducing the episode, he said, uh, all I ask, he was like, thank you so much for supporting the show and for showing up and blah, blah. All I ask is that you do everything in your power to make this show absolutely irrelevant. And of course, everyone in the, in the theater cried and it was like cheering. So yeah, no, no, no. I, it, it, too dark. Yeah. Too dark. Anyway, we've gone way off topic. I, but I think we got, I think we hit the key, the key points. I think we got it. Like if, if the title of the episode is what should you be thinking about before you write a feature? Mm -hmm. I think that we We have not lied to them. Oh, good. All right, then that means that we, you, I, you, I, and we, all three of us are ready for... Something, anything else. Wow, that was a fancy one. Yes. Do you have a something, anything else? I do indeed. It's public library. Aw, I love the library. You know, I, short story. I got a library card. Good for you. And I'll tell you when. I got it on November 6th because I had voted by mail, so I had the day free to nice. do whatever I wanted. I got my library card. And when I walked in, they have this big display, mm-hmm. and it's questions on immigration, mm-hmm. naturalization, mm-hmm. join our seminar, here are some books, here are some oh. resources. Was Here's that the- useful to you? Uh, no, I'm actually already an American citizen, so <laughs> so I'm good. But <laughs> I meant for your wife, was there anything useful in there? It was more Not about really. naturalization, like oh. people who are already here, Got but it. they had flashcard sets to study up for the naturalization oh. test. Okay. So uh, there, it 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 uh, made me feel less alone in this soul-crushing, ongoing (laughs) journey. I love the library. Mm -hmm. I have since I was a child. I'm very, I'm so proud that you have a library card now. And I often um, return things back to the library late 
Mm-hmm. and owe them money. And I feel so good about those fines. Cause I'm like, I will give you, I'm if it costs me $10 a year for, to use yep. your resources. Good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Here, no, the fines are like 15 cents a day yes, or something. It's absurdly low. And you can get DVDs. Yep. From the yep, yep. Yep. And, yep. Ooh, and you can get audiobooks on your phone. On your phone. I loved the, the throwing up the gestures on that. Yeah, I just, it's super Oh, useful. well, that was the phone gesture yeah. or like the it hang loose. The phone I thought it was like the, yeah. the gnarly dude. No. Uh, also, forgot how good libraries smell. Oh, that's the one Not thing your I thing? don't like. Okay. I love the smell of old books. I don't like the smell of the homeless encampment in the library. Uh, you got to swing by Glendale Public Library. Yeah, okay. It smells phenomenal. Okay. Also, they got mad Pitbull CDs. I'm finally going to do the Pitbull <laughs> deep dive. Great. So, uh, so get ready for that, y'all. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm, I'm good. Okay. What have you got? Oh, so I have, um, I have a resource for everyone. Ooh, this is so, look at you altruistic. I know. So the workshop that I mentioned before mm-hmm. that I taught this past week was a, a coverage workshop, how to write coverage uh, workshop that I taught for this organization called the greenhouse, which mm-hmm. I didn't know about until um, this workshop came up that they wanted to do. So the greenhouse is a nonprofit organization uh, that basically offers workshops and programs for people who are breaking into the industry. I don't think they were around when I first moved to LA. I wish they had been. And I wish I had known about it because this is the first time I've heard of them just in, um, being approached to do the workshop. So I looked up all their other resources and they have so many things. They have different programs for people who want to get together and make short films. They have a writer's group that meets monthly for feedback. Um, they have other workshops, uh, besides mine, um, like legal stuff for screenwriters, um, different workshops for actors. They have, I think they did one this past year. I'm getting highly suspicious that movies are not off the table. This sounds at least movie adjacent. (laughs) Oh, it totally is, but it's... I'm going to let it slide because you are altruistic. This is super useful though. So this is actually what I wish had been around when I moved to LA. Quarterly, Mm -hmm. they have a program called... I wrote it down. It's called, um, got music if you need to search for it. (laughs) No, I can't remember now. It's called, Oh, it's called the navigation sessions. And so they do this quarterly. So it's a panel of people who work in the industry and they basically just, uh, give you ideas on how to navigate if you've just moved to LA. So like how to, how to get your first job in the industry. Mm -hmm. If you're an actor, how to get an agent. If you're a writer, how to get an agent or a manager. Like it's sort of just, it's for people who, who sort of have the question of like, okay, I'm here now. What Mm -hmm. quarterly, they just do a panel of people who can give you information and answer those questions. And I think that's super useful because I often, and I'm sure everyone who lives here often gets that question from someone who's just moved to LA. Who's like, Hey, can we meet for coffee? I just want to pick your brain. Right. Yeah, Yeah. And, um, I don't have all the answers. I also don't have that much time. And so it's very difficult to like try to help everyone who reaches out. And I think that this is a super, you know, solid resource for if you have just moved to LA or if you've been here for a while or whatever, and you have questions about like, what do I need to know about the way things work? Good resource. So anyway, the greenhouse, their website is uh, greenhouseproductions.com. It's a nonprofit, which I just think is amazing. Awesome. That was a good one. Yeah. You totally bested mine, which I basically (laughs) stole from you. I think it was episode four or five. (laughs) I wasn't going to mention it, but yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no to it. I I know, I know, I know. But it was such a, such a good experience and such a, such a a lovely reminder. And thank you for greenhouseproductions.com. 
com. Com. Yeah. All right. I think that just about does it. The only question I have left is if people enjoyed what you said and want to know more about you, where can they find that out? They can find me on my website at writeandco.com. W-R-I-T-E-A-N-D-C-O.com. Beautiful. Yeah. How about you? Oh, thank you for asking. I'm so happy. <laughs> uh, you can find me uh, on on the at the internet. <laughs> www. That's three W's for those keeping score at home. Dot Sun Shine Pictures LLC. Do not spell E L L E L L S E E. It's the letter L. The letter L. The letter C. Dot com, and you will have more than enough me. <laughs> For your lifetime. Anything else? I think we're good. Then I'm going to play for you. I teased this a couple of weeks ago. a uh, An Israeli children's song with just a beautiful melody that I enjoyed listening to. Uh, not playing it for any other reason than that. I don't know what they're saying. Don't understand a word of it. But the melody is... So if this is a horrible song, if it turns out that we have endorsed something that we obviously do not endorse, please tell me. <laughs> Then with that said, yeah, goodbye. הכל נרגע, גם הבובה שוכבת במיטה. המנגינה באמצע נפסקה, הדוד ממול את נרותיו קיבה. נו מי
ילדה, אם הוא לא בא, ודאי יבוא מחר, ואז הכל יהיה יפה, יהיה יפה כשהיה. נו מי ילדה, נו Nu-mi-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-ni-